Welcome to the Who Needs Instructions podcast, the podcast that wants to get men talking. So it gives me great pleasure to introduce today's guest, and it is a gentleman by the name of Mark Seeley. Hello, Mark. Hi, Matt. How are you? I'm very well, thank you, sir. And uh, I'm going to give you a little intro and then let you take it on a little bit further. Now, Mark is a, a man who works in, I suppose the best way to describe it is you work in IT, but we're not here to talk about IT. We're here to talk about rowing the Atlantic Ocean, because that's something you've just completed, isn't it? It is, yes. I uh, have just finished um, rowing in a four in the Talisker Whiskey Atlantic Challenge, um, which is a um, rowing event, a rowing competition, um, taking us from La Gomera, which is the little island next to Tenerife, nigh on 3,000 miles across the Atlantic to Antigua. And um, we've just done that in 50 days, 22 hours and 16 minutes. <laughs> to be precise. <laughs> to be precise. <laughs> and may I ask then, from a man who, uh, you know, you work in IT, what, what the heck were you thinking rowing the ocean? Why did you want to do this? What was it that got you into it in the first place? So it was, it, I, I like to think it was a, a a sort of, well, a version of a midlife crisis, maybe. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I saw a documentary that um, Ben Fogel and James Cracknell uh, did sort of four or five years ago uh, where they took part in this challenge loved it motivated me just thought wow um I'd, I'd, I'd like to experience that and i'd like to try and do that then coupled with this you know i'm not getting any younger um what is there out there that's a that's a colossal adventure um a colossal challenge that that you can do not necessarily at any age but you can do well into your probably 50s and 60s and, and and possibly even slightly older so probably probably a number of things but um needless to say the the seed was sown um and and over a period of time it, it didn't go away and it was, that that was a toughie for us because this is not an easy thing to to get off the ground so um a monumental project had to sort of you know start in terms of applying paying fees acquiring your boat acquiring the kit putting a crew together training completing the hours that you need to complete to um fulfill race rules etc etc and and probably three years if not a tiny bit more than that um we eventually ticked all those boxes and we got ourselves to the start line which was um the 12th of december just gone 2020 so i mean i got involved i got to meet you because you were uh, doing this and raising some money for a charity that i was involved in and um i mean to give us an idea and i, I you're not a lady so i can ask you how old are you mate 57 yes. 57 and you decided i suppose then in your early 50s that this was a challenge that you wanted to to participate in that's right. Yeah, ab absolutely. Yeah, that well, that was maybe part of the midlife crisis, really. That it was, yeah, v very early fifties, and um, um, 
wow, let's try and do this and take this on. And um, couldn't be more pleased, couldn't be more satisfied, couldn't be more everything that um, that I've done it. We managed to do it and um, we did it as well as we did it. it was, it's just been awesome. And I'll get personal because I think I can. But, you know, what kind of shape were you in before you even contemplated doing this? Physically, uh, probably okay, really. I mean, one of the things the organisers say to you is that um, you have to be appropriately fit for this. Uh, It's not a sprint. uh, It's a marathon. Uh, um, and I and I joke with my pals, and we I probably had this joke with with you, Matt, that um, you know don't ask me to participate in a sprint race of over two hundred yards, but um, give give me a bag of a fifty six pound bag of spuds and tell me to walk twenty miles, and I feel quite comfortable. So it's be appropriately fit, and I, and I, and I think I was just about okay at that level um looking back i think i was probably probably wish i was a little bit more physically prepared but i was i I was okay i I was in the zone for it and i think i remember you telling me a story where there was you i think you probably announced this to a bunch of mates down the pub and got suitably ribbed and there were one or two people that just went now it's just a load of old rubbish this is he's never going to do that and I, I think you found that quite motivating, didn't you? Totally. Um, th- th- there are a number, and, and 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 they probably meant it with the, you know, with, with, without with, without any unpleasantness. But I mean, it's you know, it was a huge thing. It, it was it was something that a good number of people couldn't comprehend. So that the default position for quite a number of people is like, oh, it's just. It's just nonsense. It will never happen. He can't do that. Um, he won't do that. Um, the project will fizzle out. They won't get to the start line, you know, tee hee hee and, and lots of laughter. And um, as you say, that was just nothing other than hugely motivating to um, do completely the opposite. Um, and, and one of the things I might just throw in there and, and 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 a, and a few of those people that said those things um have have had the good grace and um and it's just been just so wonderful to get that feedback of um have just approached me and just said uh, wow that was amazing brilliant that you did what you did never thought you'd do it mate but so inspiring so brilliant um almost to the extent that we wish we hadn't ribbed you about all of that in the beginning. Um, and it's a pleasure to know you uh, so well done for doing it. So it's um, we've gone full circle on, on, on many of those, which has been, yeah, just, just a great experience to get that feedback. Quite humbling as well. I imagine. Yeah, very much so. Yeah, very much so. Um, I mean, I've, you know, we've we obviously had a good deal of sponsors and support, and um, some of the sponsors that you don't necessarily have a, a, a long-term relationship. Again, of um, a, a lady that maybe you might describe as being perhaps quite aloof, um, perhaps quite distant, and all of this, but but very professional. Sent me a message saying it's um it's a, it's a pleasure to know you. Um, it's so inspiring and a pleasure to know you and you just think wow that's 
um, from that particular person who's, like I said, you know, just quite quite distant emotionally was just, um, you know, just amazing, just so amazing. Yeah. So to get yourself prepared for this, uh, and again, you know, I know some of the story, but I want you to share it with me and obviously with the audience again. What kind of logistics do you have to get in place? I mean, do you have to, when you find a boat, do you have to buy a boat and, and, and the fees that you have to, you know, to, to show that you're serious to the race organisers? Um, I remember it being a bit of a nightmare, but, um, you know, tell, tell me the story. Yeah, so for, for sure it's... Um... I mean, and, and the organisers of the race, you know, say quite openly that it, it's harder to get to the start line than complete the actual race. And on many levels, on many levels, that's true. Uh, you know, boats roll out of the production yard brand new at sort of 75,000. You can get a second hand boat, which is what we bought um, for sort of more like 45, 50. You've got to kit it out. Um, you've got to have all this safety equipment. You've got to pay the race entry fees. Uh, the, there's a huge amount that sits around that logistically in terms of how you're going to get yourself trained, how you're going to get yourself ready. You've then got to ship the boat to Tenerife and then get it across on the ferry to La Gomera, which is no small feat in itself. Um, I would think in in... in round terms the the project probably from start to finish financially is is circa a hundred thousand um wow. and we just knocked on lots of lots and lots of um, company doors to try and you know in, in, in i suppose bluntly sell advertising space really um would you like the name on our boat would you like all the social media exposure that we can give you Will you support us? We're raising money, um, as as you know, for a local charity. Get people involved, and yeah, some people help you a little bit. Some people help you an awful lot, and um, over over a period of time, just through persistence, you you, you know, we got there. I mean, it probably took three years for that to happen, mm. but again, you've got the same thing as, you know, the acquaintances stroke pals in the pub lots of business said yeah i'd love to help you but i can't see this ever happening and it, it was how you managed to try and convince them that this was plausible that this was going to happen that you were going to do it and that you were going to get to the start line and you were going to finish the race um and for sure the ones for the companies that sponsored us they are over the moon that they did um the exposure that they've got you know, through social media, through I, you know, through TV, through radio, through newspapers, not only in this country but but globally, it, it, it has been massive, absolutely massive. But trying to get people to have the faith that that's going to happen at the outset was was challenging to say the least, Matt. So you spent three years getting yourself ready, uh, finding people to go with you, getting the boat ready, sorting the sponsorship, raising money for the charities, getting your food ready for a trip. I mean, you you know, you don't know how long you're going to be out at sea. You, you've got a rough idea. You've done all that. You've got the boat over to La Gomera. You're sat there on the start line. What does that feel like, Mark? <laughs> so that probably, no pun intended, is 
the, the, the lull before the storm, I suppose, because um, we've been in Lagomera for just short of two weeks. Final prep, final uh, sort of poaching and um, information gathering from the organisers of, you know, waypoints to get across, weather forecasting, checking that all your equipment's ready, that you've got all the food ready, that you've got all the food stored, you you know, so lots and lots of prep. So sure, the minute that they say you're off and you begin that very gentle paddle out of the marina, not quite as euphoric this year because um, I was lucky enough to go over last year because I wanted to experience what a start was like. Last year, there were probably oh i don't know five to ten times the numbers which are obviously way reduced this year because of the you know the whole pandemic scenario mm, but yeah. but even so we had family few supporters um few sponsors um and rowing out that moment you were just like wow a sort of i suppose thank goodness we're going because we've been yeah. waiting a long time to start um and you're nothing other than excited um and then the reality probably hit us, well, maybe that very first night, really, of, whoa, um, this is this is going to be no picnic. The sea, uh, the, the sea doesn't care that you're all excited and you're starting this fabulous race that you've been waiting three years. The sea just does what the sea does. So yeah, that, that excitement was probably didn't last into the second 24-hour period. Really? So, I mean, I, you know, I've seen the documentary you talked about earlier on with uh, Ben Fogel and James Cracknell, and there definitely seem to be euphoric moments and absolute low moments. Do you want to kind of describe that for us in sort of first-hand detail? Yeah, so the euphoria is, yeah, certainly the, the start. You're just so pleased to be there. Um, and, then, and, and then I suppose... In, in many ways, we probably held it all together. I mean, the sea pretty quickly day two and uh, it, it wasn't horrendous, but it can be quite challenging leaving the the wind shadow of, of the island. Um, and, the, and the weather's not necessarily the weather, but just the wind shadow makes the sea a little bit challenging. So pretty soon you realise, whoa, we've got to be on our A game with all of this. And and, and you are, and you get stuck into that, and and I and I and I think you're still living off the where we're away, where we're doing quite well, where you know we're we're fit and we're getting on with this, and we're adjusting to life at sea. And I think the break point we were warned was probably a, a, a week or so, um, and it hit me um, quite badly after a week, and. Um, Blessed, it was huge support for us. We had a satellite phones that meant we could phone, we could phone home. So we all phoned home to, um, you know, husbands, wives, family, and children. But certainly after a week, you you start you're starting to feel the, well, I suppose the the fatigue kicking in, the 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 realization of like, oh my goodness, we've just done a week. Um, bearing in mind we. We row for two hours, we sleep for two hours, and we do that on a rolling 24-hour basis. So a week, a week later, 
you're feeling pretty tired you you're still probably adjusting to the alarm going off every two hours and jumping back on the oars you're still adjusting to the food and you're then come to terms with the realization of like oh um i'm, I'm not i'm not gonna see my you know wife husband partner for probably another five to six weeks at least um i'm not going to see the kids i'm not going to see all my mates i'm not going to see all my friends and then that starts to play on your mind and it's just like you know wow and then all the self-analysis of why am i doing this why am i here um will i survive it will i drown at sea you start thinking about all those things um and, and i suppose oh for me probably two three four days in in a real muddle with it all in terms of yeah all of those things what am i doing why why did i say that i do this um <laughs> but but through probably the benefit of the the sat phone connection to home of um and some blunt talking some blunt talking was you know well you wanted to do it um <laughs> um couple coupled with of course the it'll be all right just keep just keep at it just keep doing what you're mm. doing you've done a week uh, one week will be two weeks two weeks will be three weeks um we're all thinking of you we've all, we've got everything crossed we're all following you we know where you are um of course we have a call every couple of days with the organizers you know you're doing great you've got the right you know you're on the right bearing you're on the right latitude you're heading where you should be not too far north you know so you start that builds you a bit of confidence and and little by little you you start to overcome all that i suppose in many ways you know just not necessarily negative emotion but you know it's you've got to come to terms with all of that you're going to be away from everybody for 50 days and it's all very well sat in the bar in lag america and like, oh yeah we're gone in the blink of an eye and it will be this and it will be that Trust me, once you're out there and you've got waves crashing over the boat, um, you know, which which we did fairly early on, you realise that, yeah, the sea takes no prisoners. You're on your own. You're in a boat that's 29 feet, 29 feet long. You, you, you were three people that whilst you've known them for a little while and in, in the context of, you know, you know my my 57 years you've only known them a small you know period of time and it, it was tough it was really 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 tough um and i had three or four bad days where i you know i don't want to row i don't want to eat i don't want to talk to you i don't want to do any of those things and um um people you know chivying us up or chivying me up from home and you know you'll be fine you're great you'll get on with it go on do it it'll be good yeah we're looking forward to seeing your antigua you 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 complete that circle of evaluation and you come back round and you go like yeah gee whiz um and and i kept saying to myself because you just like at that moment you just like i want to get off um you you can't get off because you're 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 a week from one end and you're six weeks from the other end and <laughs> lots of people ribbed us about that if you ever think about getting off the only way you can get off and the only way that you're going to shorten this journey is to do more rowing. Um, <laughs> and and, and as, soon, as soon as you get your head around that, it's going like, yeah, I do want to get off. I do want to complete this. Um, 
I'm going to get on the oars and do more rowing. And little by little, you build yourself back up and get on with it. So you said you're out there with three others. So there's four of you in a team. I mean, I know that it was two guys and two girls. What's the dynamic like? I mean, you are there in your own head for, you know, hours at a time, certainly if you're lying in your bunk or you're on the real horse with, with somebody else. But what's what's the relationship like with your fellow crewmates on board? Yeah, that yeah, that was challenging because we um I mean I mean I knew, I knew Amy probably for two and a half years, knew Gemma for six months and knew Will for just two or three months. Um such was the way that we, we built the crew in the end. Um mm-hmm. so it you know, they're 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 new relationships, they're embryonic relationships, and of course you've you've put them to the greatest test trying to do what we're doing. So um a strange dynamic um will and i were in the bow cabin um we alternated our two-hour shifts with Gemma and amy who were in the stern cabin um so i didn't really see much of will very often really we had a few days in the cabin locked up on um sea anchor to 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 get out of some storms but it's strange because it was a bit Hello, mate. You get your head down. I'm on the oars, and you, you know, you, you literally pass like ships in the night. Um, you 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 natter quite a lot to one or other of the girls that you share a split shift with. So you pass the time of the day, but very often it was just silence and prolonged periods of silence because you know what can you find to talk about anymore? Because we've been sat here like this for two weeks now, and then three weeks now, and then four weeks, and um we we did lots of chiving up when it was like um i mean i fell asleep one evening on the oars literally rowing so tired <laughs> fell off the oars in a heat the or, the oars have gone out my hands i'm upside down Gemma's picked me back up what are you doing i was like oh, i don't know what am i doing she said you've just fallen asleep and fallen off your seat um and then you get back on your seat you grab your oars and then we you know we we did all those games of like um What's your favourite meal on toast? Oh God, cheese on toast, and and then what? What? What's, what's your favourite sauce? Oh, Worcester sauce or whatever it is. And so we did loads of all of that. And um, what's your what's your favourite soap? Who's your favourite soap character? And so it, a really strange dynamic of motivation, trying to keep each other awake and motivated, and in in a time where you're tired, you're exhausted, your patience is shot. Um, I mean, we did have some rows and we and we, and we did have some fallouts, but it, it's just so inevitable because you're tired, you're exhausted. Um, I mean, the thing that I used to say all the time, if, if I could have had five minutes every day to get off the boat, walk around my garden at home, read the back of the newspaper, make a cup of tea and then go again, where everything stopped moving, it would have just been, you know, but, you know, silly thing to say, but it was just sort of like, because that was one of the things for me. I wanted it to stop moving because you're either going starboard to port or port to starboard, bow to stern. You're always moving. It's always up and down. There is just no respite. You lie in your bunk trying to sleep and you roll one way into the side. You roll one way into the side. And, you know, that was, yeah, I'd have given anything just like, just give me five minutes for it to all stop. Um that's not the nature of the beast. It's um, no. the Atlantic Ocean has got a mind of its own. 
So I'll take you on then 50 days. You are coming into the port in Antigua. Um, friends and family, sponsors waiting for you there. Um, I was like everybody else, like all your close friends and family, I was watching the app the whole time, keeping yep. an eye on you. Now, I know it's a race, but it's not really a race. I mean, I know people are there to try and set records and do this, that and the other. Um, but, you know, it, it's not about crossing the finishing line first. I don't think it's about raising money for charity. It's about succeeding and, and you know and completing a feat that very, very few people have done. Um, again, tell me what it feels like to row into port in in Antigua. Oh my goodness, that's the that that oh, I'm, I'm not sure I can get that into words, really. And I still, I, I still have a smile on the face, even unprompted, pretty much all all, all the time. Um, we we got to um, sort of a spot, sort of slightly north up the coast in Antigua because that was the the line of latitude that we came in and then you sort of hug the coastline and then you come down round and then you do Willoughby Bay and then you come round uh, one headland and then the next headland and by then you can see lights on the top of the masts in the English harbour so like boy it's just but a strange thing really we it was quite challenging for us to come in because the water wasn't playing ball with us um, I think some people row in quite comfortably. We were rowing in 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 the early hours of the morning, so it was still dark, um, and we had a tough row in. And you and although you're on the one hand, you're going like, I'm nearly there, I'm nearly there, and you and you're punching. Well, you're you're, you're sort of subconsciously pu- punching the air of like, oh, five minutes, ten minutes, quarter of an hour, an hour, um, and it was getting that close and. And, and then you row between the Finnish boys or in the mouth of English Harbour. And then the the unpleasant sea that we had coming in is just gone then. You're on you're on flat water. Um, and then you just literally drop the oars. Can I put into words what that feels like? I, oh, I don't know. We all burst into tears. We, well, you know, that mixture. We were all laughing. We were all crying. We were all hugging each other. Um just that, oh, I, I don't know. It's just, I can just completely, just consumed you entirely. Of like, wow, that's unbelievable. We've done it. Um, you almost then look at each other to a point of like, I've got nothing to say. Not that you've got nothing to say, but I can't find any words to say. Shall I hug you again? Um, <laughs> sh- shall I hug you again? Shall we shake hands again? Um, should, should we cry for another 30 seconds? Should we laugh for another 30 seconds? And I think we did all of that. And then the organisers are there with their safety boats in because you're prepared with your with your flares, which is the celebratory time to let your flares off. So um, at that moment, we grab our flares. And I think at that moment, we're even more like, oh, my God, we are here. Um, and even more of that. I think I think we were all mouth open of, of, of just um, I remember Amy shrieking her head off because she was like, how else do I express? Um, she oh, we've got, you know, just, you know, just crazy time getting in, um, which is just, yeah, amazing. And uh, there's a point just to the side of the mouth of English Harbour um, where um, Ian Couch, one of the or the safety officer, um, and a couple of other people. Um, Amy's boyfriend was up there. 
um, my son Luke was up there. Couldn't see anybody because, of course, it's it's pitch black. Um, yeah. But you could just hear voices, and that was the first voices that we recognised that um, we hadn't heard for Oakville for 50 days, 22 hours and 16 minutes. And it was just like, that was a sort of like, oh, my God, we are really. And then, of course, the, the next thing is you sort of bottle all that up because, of course, you've still got 15 minutes left to actually row around the corner to the quayside. Um, so that there's then this sort of, it all goes quiet. I think we settle down and think, oh, my God, yeah, we're right, okay, we're, we're here, we're done. And the water's as flat as a pancake because it's just in the harbour. And we, we row past all the super yachts and then mm. to the quayside. Um, and then you can see um, all the Atlantic campaigns crew, all the safety officers, um, you know, Karsten and Ros and everybody there, and then family and friends. And then it's like, oh, my God, you've tied, then you've tied, tied your boat up to the quayside. And again, it's just like, in many, so the first thing is like, I'm not sure. I think I, my first thought, I don't want to get off. Um, I think you only <laughs> think that for probably 15 seconds, but this has been, this has been home for 50 days. This has saved my life for 50 days. Um, yeah, now I've got to get off and leave that behind. And don't, don't get me wrong. You didn't, you didn't think that for long because you were desperate for dry land. And yeah, then you, then you just get off and, quite literally just fall into the arms of you know um exactly that really F friends and family and yeah all, all that emotion of you don't know whether to laugh or cry or do both just all kicks off again and so um and and, and again and from that moment since or from that moment to this moment of just um the most amazing feeling that hasn't gone away and probably that silly grin that if it's not on my face all the time it doesn't take much for it to come back so just yeah um awesome just awesome it's really funny because we had a quick chat just before we started recording the podcast and you you started to tell me that how you were feeling now and i said look, look, look stop 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 don't tell me too much because i want to record this um because i think it's fair to say and i think you said you know about your your wife she's has she did she literally say um where's my husband gone because it's been a real life-changing thing for you hasn't it oh totally totally we were tipped off by the organizers not in any um flippant way but just to flag this up for all participants um this is going to change your life we're, we're not we, we don't know how per individual it's going to change your life but this is going to change your life um so however that manifests itself in, in all of you individually be receptive to that and just be aware of that and be thinking about how you're going to deal with that and, uh, and me too and joe says uh yeah where's my husband gone because um you know the stressed individual that came back from work that didn't have time for her or didn't have time for the kids or didn't have time for the family. All of that's gone. Um, all of those things that we drag around with us probably in the 21st century of, of the conveyor belt of work, the conveyor belt of career, you know, the stress of living in this world, heaven forbid all the additions that's placed on everybody in the world these days with dealing with a pandemic. But I, th I think all those things that I dragged around, um, 
millstone of you know providing for the family your career your job all of these things that you know what am i going to do and um i'm 57 next birthday and all those things that you just rattle around in your head gone everything's gone um i just feel totally after all of this um and i've written nothing down yet because i'm still processing it and and contemplating it but my life at the minute i've got a blank sheet of paper and a biro and i haven't even picked the biro up yet because it's still it's still new and it's still fresh and it's still it's just all gone and, I, and I, i'm not quite sure what well, probably saying i don't want this to sound pompous but it's all it, it's almost like you know who am i what am i what do i want to do where am i going to go how am i going to get there but it it it, it certainly paired away yeah lots of things that i'm probably just so grateful that they're gone and um i'm just going to piece it back together to suit just me and just the family and just yeah so so from that point of view um i'm so thankful in in many ways additionally that i've done this because um it's just you know you know and even those physical things i lost three stone i've gone from high blood pressure to low blood pressure I take 50% of the blood pressure tablets that I did before I left. Um, you know, oh, what is there not what is there not to like about, you know, what this now enables everybody that completes this. And for every for each and every one of the 51 rowers that completed the race this year, everybody will be feeling something similar, something different. Um, but they'll all be in a position where, yeah, their their, their lives will have changed. Um and I, and I have to say, for for all of us, and I'm going to speak for all of us, it will have changed for the better, without a doubt. It's an incredible story. And, um, you know, I, when you got back, I, I sent you a couple of messages just to congratulate you. And, um, you know, obviously realising that you were going to be the world's busiest man and or you just wanted to chill out and spend some time with your family. And I couldn't wait to, to meet you in that pub and uh, have a bit of dinner and have a drink with you and hear the story. And I just want to say, I almost feel like I've sat in a pub with you tonight, although I've been drinking juice and not a pint. <laughs> and, uh, I, I, and to hear the story, and, you know, you're a, I'm going to blow some smoke up your ass now. You were a nice guy before you left, but I think you might even be a better bloke now. And uh, I literally can't wait to, to meet up with you, give you a hug, and to, to hear more stories about what you went through. And I'm really excited about, where you're going to go next because it like you say your your life is now a, a blank piece of paper and you can write your own story yeah that that that's yeah that's that's now the biggie um and i'm not stressed about that it will you know and i'm not forcing that it's um very relaxed about that it'll it feels good and it feels natural and it'll it'll evolve and it'll happen as it happens so um i don't you know that i don't even feel any negativity about all of that it'll it it'll it'll unfold as it unfolds and um um as you as you say having a beer and uh in, in a beer garden with you as soon as we can is uh I, I, that's going to be the first thing on the piece of paper <laughs> <laughs> oh that's a massive honor for me thank you <laughs> now i normally end my podcast with uh i've got four questions i like to ask i will ask them Go for um, it. and uh, i'll just see where it takes us so in the whole realm of who needs instructions, what the, the podcast is all about, you know, all about getting men talking and um, what do you think it takes to be a, a man in the 21st century, Mark? 
So, so yeah, I, I mean, you just sort of answered that question in the question. I, I think men for certain, and I was probably guilty of that, of keeping tight-knit things and personal things uh, to myself and and not sharing sort of, you know, dreams, hopes and desires. Um, you know, and so back to the beginning of this road, you know, the more I talked to people, it was, yeah, there were those, yeah, you're an idiot, it'll never happen, but, you know, don't be put off, keep talking, because eventually you'll talk to the right person and you'll share what you need to share to move something on. And so so probably dialogue is, is, is just so crucial, uh, you know, at every level. Um, I wouldn't have got across, you know, but for the dialogue and, and, and opening up and trying to, say how I was feeling and, and get support, you know, while we were crossing and and now we're now, you know, we we've made it across. It's the same thing of, you know, express what you're feeling and talk to people and, you know, that the future will unfold for me. So I, I yeah, I you know, in, increase of dialogue, not something that probably men probably going back through the centuries were very good at. And I'm not sure not I'm not sure Matt we're necessarily that good at it now, but hopefully we're getting a bit better that's the aim mate that is the aim definitely okay so who has inspired you or who has been the most influential person in your life oh um that uh, yeah that that, that, that's a that's a that's a tricky one i'd like to have probably known i'd probably like to have known that that one was coming really i mean (laughs) i mean we're i mean we're talking rowing um um and this project so 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 i'll probably keep it to that uh i i think which probably you know keep keeps it in the in in the same can um you know the same camp mm-hmm. so to speak um yeah. uh dan lavery of 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 devon free wheelers um you know sold his house set up a charity to to try and do good with the with the blood bikes and um which, as you know, that was a charity that we chose to raise money for. So, so yeah. throughout all of this, that's been inspirational of somebody, you know, doing something that you know was wasn't easy to do was a was a great wrench and and did something that was way out there that, well, for the most part, people don't do things like that. So, so that was always been something to follow because you know. Um, when he set Devon free wheelers up, that was, that was a huge thing that he did. And yeah, so, so, so that was always a good benchmark of, you know, why we chose to try and raise some money for them. Fantastic. Yeah. No, that was a great story. Um, what sort of legacy would you like to leave? Um, yeah, so that, so that's probably happened already. And, um, probably throw that, you know, um, back to the kids really because you know you know what it's like as you get older you know um your, your kids sort of and, and I did it probably with my dad god rest him and it's just like oh you know silly old dad and um you know and, and all met in the in the best of you know in, in the most humorous of, of ways but um yeah so so that's sort of you know 
probably change now from like, oh, oh, dad, you, you, I can't swear, but you know, you silly old so and so, to, um, um, oh my God, dad, that was simply, um, you know, an, an awesome thing to do. So, yeah, um, yeah. Hey, mate, I can hear it in your voice, and, yeah. and if you want to swear, you can swear, mate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's so that's the biggie that the kids have gone. Yeah, um, yeah, you know, dad, you silly old bugger, to you know, it's just like, you know, wow. So that's, uh, yeah. That's important, mate. That's really important. Okay. Well, talking about dads, then talking about kids, I'm going to leave you with this one. Tell us your best dad joke. Oh, you're kidding me. Oh, you're <laughs> kidding me. Oh, I told you I... it was the hardest one. Oh, I? <laughs> I wish I'd known about that. I tell you, I don't, I, I, I was watching a clip on Facebook, um, um, Last night, I don't even know the comedian's name, but he's just one of those comedians. You probably know him if you saw him. I, he's not terribly, uh, and, and he did nine minutes, and I watched all nine minutes last night of one-line jokes, um, and I've never laughed so much in all my life. But can I remember any of them? No, I can't. But they were, yeah. <laughs> oh, I, I can't think of one, so I, I, I'll have to bomb out on question four. Um, Unless we, unless, it's unless, funny how often that happens. Uh, unless, unless, oh, I wish, I wish I could, I wish I could think of one a minute. You, you, you rode the Atlantic. I think you proved yourself. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, definitely, it definitely feels like, um, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm done for now. Um, my, 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 my only slight, oh, that's unfortunate. Is, um, um, I've got a great bunch of, of pals, you know, um, you included, that all want to sort of, you know buy me half a pint of bitter maybe a pint for some some of the you know you know you know what i mean and it's sort of they're all kind of like oh it's just i wish the pubs were open so absolutely uh, so i've come back in the middle of a pandemic where the pubs are shut and um i've got a string of pals and friends and acquaintances who all want to buy you a pint and the pubs are shut so that that's that's the biggest frustration of all <laughs> yeah that's the biggest joke of all but uh, there, there, there you go <laughs> there, that is the biggest joke of all but um it will it'll, that'll change that'll change it will mark listen you know i really want to thank you for your time um it's a it is an amazing story and it was really well told i i, I could i could just feel every heartbeat every emotion and and i know now that after having catched caught up with you that you know you're just in such a good place and i'm i'm a little bit envious and i suppose the other question i've got to leave you with and i, I want i want you to give me a really brief answer on this one would you do it again? Yes. That's the end of the podcast. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Who Needs Instructions podcast. We release a new episode every week, so make sure to subscribe and we'll speak to you again soon.